The following podcast is brought to you by Vite Ramen. Use offer code BROKENSILICON to get 10% off tasty, healthy, and easy-to-make ramen orders at the link below. Or go to cdkeyoffers.com and use code BROKENSILICON for 30% off Windows keys and die shrink for 3% off every other key on the website. Now, on with the show. Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host. There's no mascot for New Year's Eve. We'll just call it, we'll call myself New Year's Eve Kiss Tom, as off-putting as that probably is. And uh, I am joined today by my co-host. We're going to go with uncreative Dan today because I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head. I feel like we do this a lot, this caveat I'm about to say, and it's that we're running on fumes. (laughs) But, you know, I I think unlike a lot of podcasts, not all, obviously, certainly plenty I listen to and look up to do this similar thing, but I feel like um, we insist on, even if it's more inconvenient than it would be if we'd recorded earlier or later, we just want to make sure we record at the right time. And the right time for this was late at night after CES, after we had the full amount of time to digest everything from Intel, AMD, and NVIDIA, even at the last minute, what is it? Sony announced PSVR 2, which I haven't really yeah. properly looked into. So, yeah, I mean, we 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 do this because I think we aim to have a comprehensive take first, not the first take, not, not necessarily one where we took two weeks to think about it, but in the middle. Yeah. And so... Forgive us if we pronounce things weird, miss words in a sentence out of nowhere. We are very tired today. Yeah. But I guess what I would also say is we are almost exclusively going to focus on those three CES keynotes, AMD, NVIDIA, Intel. We will talk about a couple other things, but I've also got a pretty big guest scheduled for the next Broken Silicon anyways, and we plan to talk about CES. There's many more days of CES (laughs) coverage coming, so there's plenty of time for us to discuss anything we don't discuss here. I guess, I don't know, going into today, Dan, what were you you expecting from CES announcements? A lot of graphics card stuff, (laughs) for the most part, Uh, with some... You know, nice touches of AMD CPU stuff, which, you know, we'll get into it. There wasn't as much, well, to some extent, as much with the 3D cast from AMD. But Mm -hmm. I also think uh, Zen 4 seems like it's probably coming a little sooner than I was expecting. So, you know, pluses and minuses. Or at least it's not coming later than you worried it could. Because there's always that worry it could slip to the end of next, you know, when I got not, not next anymore, at the end of this year now, 2022. Um, yeah, and I guess I'll, I'll circle back to this point because it it can't fully be made until we've discussed all of the stories. But looking at the comments and, and some people on Twitter, it's like there were people that were just like angry this morning before the conferences start, I noticed. Like AMD better deliver, we're mad. Like literally I saw people saying AMD better not screw over its fans more. And it's like, I don't know what that means, dude. I, <laughs> like, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll circle back to this, but I, 
I guess, I don't know, you, you were working, of course, today. This is my main job. It is not for you. I, I don't know. Did you check around Twitter or online in the comments at all, like early, the, like in this morning, even if it wasn't before all of the conferences? Like, did you notice any of that kind of anger from people or at least dismissiveness towards some of the things announced? Um, I haven't really dug too much into the comments sections of stuff yet. So, no, I, I can't really speak on that at this point. All right. Well, we'll take it by case by case on this then. First, though, <laughs> of course, as always, let us get into corrections and omissions. We have one today from Nomad Profit. Writes in, just a quick correction from Tom. I've heard this error a few times, but most recently in Broken Silicon 131. You say that the Dunia engine is an offshoot of the Crisis 1 engine. This is incorrect. Dunia is based off of Cry Engine 1, which was used in Far Cry 1. Yeah, I think I may have had something mixed up there where let me let me look this up here let me see crisis one engine oh i see in the dunia okay so i guess you're right i i kept saying it was the same engine my understanding is the dunia engine has some lineage to the cry engine and i was probably combining them and mixing up which one used it first yeah tom i don't know i i don't remember my uh old engine super well right now so but. The point is this, Far Cry's <laughs> all have bad screen tearing to this day, even on console, and Crisis 1 also had pretty bad screen tearing, if you remember, Dan. So there's, oh, yeah. that, that's what I'm remembering, is this is just, these are all family members of the screen tearing engine, which is impressive at certain things in its own right, it is, compared to other engines, but I just don't know why they can't fix screen tearing. I mean, I don't know. I, I do love how... Pretty much every game I play now, screen tearing isn't an issue. And this isn't besides to, this isn't <laughs> to say don't buy Far Cry Six because it's a relatively minor issue with the game. But like, man, really in twenty twenty one, a game that came out in twenty twenty one has screen tearing issues as bad as it. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it, it's it's honestly bizarre. But there's another thing that's bizarre. And that is these next graphics cards that were announced in December by NVIDIA. Story number one, GA107-based RTX 2050 and MX570 and TU117-MX550 announced. So let me have a little write-up here. Over the past few months, details have continued to leak regarding Navi24 and Arc SoC2, and they both unsurprisingly seem poised to blow away NVIDIA's low-end laptop offerings. Since the Pascal generation, Team Green has used the 10 to 25 watt MX series to fend off AMD's APUs and occasionally Intel's ever improving APU performance as well. But therein lies the problem. Well, the MX150 in 2017 was based off of its own tiny die from a cutting edge node in architecture, and they have since then only ever used dies that are one to three years old in tech. This changes with the MX570 in 2050, right? Because again, I think this is worth emphasizing, and, I, and I've seen this talking to people in the Moore's Law is Dead Discord. When the MX series first came out, it sounded a little silly to me until I learned they literally engineered a die to just have as the full die a 64-bit bus and mm -hmm. use 10 to 25 watts. And it honestly, when it came out in 2017, blew away APUs, used like or up to 15 watts if you undervolted it in laptops, you get it to perform a lot like a, a GT 1030 
it was impressive. But yeah, since the MX-150, the 250 was a rebrand, just 20% higher clocks. And the 350 was some bastardized cut down 1050 to a 64-bit bus. And that's basically been the pattern. Then the 450 was the TU-117 cut down. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just hasn't been cutting it. Anyways, get back to the write-up. This changes with the MX570 and the RTX 2050. NVIDIA is releasing two new products based on GA107, the same die used in the laptop RTX 3050 and 3050 Ti specifically to target ARC 96 execution unit, ARC 128 execution unit, and Navi's 24's performance and efficiency. The RTX 2050 seems like a replacement for the aging GTX 1650 Max-Q, which I outlined in my video. It's like, literally the same TDP, four gigabytes. It's clearly their attempt at yeah. making this 1650 more efficient and uh, and having some RTX features too. And the dies previously meant for the 1650 cards seem now to be meant for the MX550 and lower products. So anyways, in summary, the RTX 2050 is a 64-bit, four gigabyte version of the RTX 3050 constrained to the 1650 Max-Q's power consumption of about 25 to 35 watts. It should outperform the 1650 Max-Q by about 15 to 30%, while now offering DLSS and ray tracing. Additionally, the MX570 is effectively just a 2050 constrained to even lower power and often with only two gigabytes of VRAM, but it has the latest eight nan, well, latest NVIDIA eight nanometer node. Well, I guess latest, not including a 100. <laughs> uses... 8 nanometer instead of 12 nanometer. Let's, let's just say that. And that way they can have kind of a premium MX card again. And then the MX570 is a 64-bit GTX 1650. Literally the full CUDA cores, but cut down to 64-bit to save on space and power. And again, this thing's clocked so low. I'm Honestly, I don't think it needs a 128-bit bus. It should perform just above a GTX 1050 and therefore seemingly be positioned near Rembrandt performance. So... I don't know. This this came out about a month ago. This is finally we're covering it in a new segment. <laughs> Do you have, what were your thoughts when you saw? Yeah, what were your initial thoughts when you saw they were launching something called an RX, RTX twenty fifty? Because I think that's what caught a lot of people off guard. First of all, well, I, I think the reaction from everyone at first is kind of confusion, especially when you add in the fact that it is an Ampere card. It's not like a <laughs> some old die that they're rebranding now. This is GA107. I, I mean, I think the video you put out about it, I think made a good case for they're trying to separate the branding of these mm -hmm. very low-end cards uh, from their higher-end line, which which their newest line is their quote unquote high end line. And they call the 3050 their mid range, even though let's be honest, it's, it's, a, it's their low it's end. entry level. <laughs> but they, they want you to see the 3090 as a above enthusiast tier and the 3080 as enthusiast and the 3070 as high end, even though it's really mid range. And then the, you know, and so on and so forth. But yeah, continue. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the conventional thing that you would have done is call it the, I, like, 3040 or whatever the they yeah. want to call it or even again go to the weird 2600 branding again if they wanted to but i guess their reasoning for that was they that those were the cards that didn't have ray tracing so this has ray tracing so it needs to be given a ray tracing name so they get with the 2050 and right. because the name was uh, as far as I can tell, because the name was available, and they're like, oh, I'll call it that. I, I, I honestly <laughs> think that's what it is. I mean, 
I, I mean, what's the alternatives? GTX 1700 series? That doesn't really work because it's no. it has the RTX features. And then what do you call it? A 2550 if it's in between the 2000 and 3000 series? That also doesn't really make sense. Uh, it's It just sounds weird. <laughs> so I think that's it. I think this is their way of having a sub latest gen, but kind of next gen card. Although I do think it's kind of interesting because it's just cut down. There there aren't any features of it cut out like there were with the 1600 series. Mm. So it, like, it has all of the bells and whistles that Ampere generally has, I guess, except it has a 64-bit bus, which is, the, I guess, what they, they've decided is the cutoff for we can't <laughs> brand this as an Ampere card, even though it is an Ampere card. Yeah, I mean, I think people need to look at this and see like from my memory yeah if i'm remembering correctly the mx570 2050 and i think what is it the 3050 laptop let me go to notebook check and check this quick isn't that the same yeah they're all the same cuda core count (laughs) yeah you know and and people would go so why are all these out there and it's like well guys they don't need to cut it down more. Their yields are fine. So they have three cards with the same CUDA core count and they're cutting down the bus literally based on TDP. It will be clocked that much lower. It doesn't need more bandwidth. A smaller bus takes up less space Mm -hmm. uh, due to how many memory chips are around it in the laptop. I guess that's just how they're going to do it. And yeah, I mean, I think the 2050 will be better than the 1650 Max-Q. We'll get to this later uh, in the episode. I don't think it's going to cut it, though, frankly. I think the 2050 has a little bit of arrogance there, and it should have just been the MX570. Uh, I just don't see this competing very well with Rembrandt and Navi24, especially now that we know, as we're about to cover, Navi24 is 6 nanometer. I mean, we'll see. Looking at it, it's occupying a very, very, well, I guess because it has four gigs of RAM, which the 20, not 20, the 570 doesn't, ha- MX570 doesn't have, which. It doesn't typically, but it can, I think. Uh, I think there are four that was my options. Bi- that was my big criticism of the MX570, especially. I would like to see those, at least the top end of their MX line move to four gigabytes at some point, because the, was the 152 gigabytes still, or was that one gigabyte back then? It was two. So that's been what <laughs> three, two, three years now, and they've they're still on two gigabytes. It would be nice. Four if, years. Four. Okay. It would be nice if they remained uh, if they moved to four gigabytes, but then the twenty fifty wouldn't have space to exist because at the end of the day, the only thing it really has above the MX five seventy is slightly higher clocks and more RAM. Which the more RAM is what convinces somebody that's buying this for gaming to get it because. A four gigabyte card is just enough to cut it still with 1080p, I think, and two gigabytes really isn't. Right. And and one key thing, and a lot of this did come from talking to sources about it. Like this is where I got some of the information on just why it's named so weirdly. Um, but another key aspect to this was this le- semi-leak opinion piece video I did which are all of the uh, videos we do now are basically semi-leaks, honestly, yeah. uh, <laughs> was that the fact that they're giving the full CUDA core count to the MX-550 just tells me the 1650s going bye-bye. Like, I, there's no place for it in the market anymore. I don't know why they would be giving the full CUDA core count to the MX-550, you know. And, and, yeah. and I see a lot of this also as 
And, and the background of a lot of OEMs telling me they just don't want to use the 3050 anymore compared to ARC 128 and Navi 24. They just like those cards more. And so it's like, yeah, I think they're realizing that they need to reposition that die for uses in other places because it's not going to be used, you know, for what it was originally released for anymore. Yeah, and with that in mind, it kind of just sounds like with these three uh, cards, they're almost just scrambling to put something on the market that they hope can compete with those new cards from uh, Intel and AMD that are coming out then. Right, and it's not the only cards they're scrambling to release. If we move on to story number two, NVIDIA RTX 3050 8 gigabyte desktop, 3090 Ti desktop, 3070 Ti laptop, and 3080 Ti laptop cards revealed. Today, NVIDIA revealed a flurry of new cards for both laptop and desktop. And while the platforms and sizes greatly differ between the products, the story they tell is succinct. NVIDIA is making more cards that use more power and diverting their lowest end die to desktop. All of this, at least in our opinion at Moore's Law is Dead, clearly is a refocusing of their assets towards what they can still compete with technologically in early 2022. Ampere's bad efficiency, which everyone listening must remember is still based on an 8 nanometer node, while Intel and AMD moved to 6 nanometer, is finally catching up with them. Before explaining, though, more, let's summarize the cards themselves. First, the RTX 3090 Ti is an overclocked full GA102 die. It will be 6 to 9% stronger than the 3090, and it will use 29% more energy to get there. The 3080 Ti laptop, then, is seemingly the second GA103 product to be announced after the A4500. Although I must be clear, I cannot personally 100% confirm this is GA103 just yet from multiple sources. Mm-hmm. But it is a 16 gigabyte, 175 watt laptop card with below the amount of CUDA cores as a 3080. And so, I don't know, it seems like it should outperform the RTX 3070 desktop and 3080 laptop by, I don't know, 10, 5 to 15%, depending on the TDP it's given. Then finally, the 3070 Ti laptop is an almost 3080 laptop. That's really all there is to say about it. (laughs) Finally, RTX 3050 desktop is just a 3050 Ti laptop card, given a 130 watt TDP. Uh, it is a bit lower clocked than I expected, or at least something is lower in the teraflops. I thought it'd be like 30% less teraflops based on my math. They could have gone there and given it, but it looks like it's nine. So that's compared to the desktop 3060, people would be good to realize it's like 30% or more lower teraflops. <laughs> so this is not yeah. going to be close to the 3060 guys. Anyways, can you see what's happening here? NVIDIA is making sure it holds on to both high-end desktop and laptop performance while launching a low-end desktop card around Navi 24 and A380s. That's the 128 execution unit art cards launch. All right, Dan, you saw all of this here. We, we knew these were coming pretty much. They was a little different than we expected, I think. There's no, I still don't see the 3080 gigabyte announced, but God knows they can choose to launch whatever whenever. I mean, what oh, do you yeah, think? I forgot about the... Thir- <laughs> That if it, that yeah, was also... there's so many different configurations they're testing though you never know for sure but yeah what did you think about these i mean 3050 desktop 3090 ti 3070 and 3080 ti laptop i mean i think the 3050 desktop or whatever the thir- the 3050 ti laptop being brought to desktop was inevitable at a certain point you kind of have to try to compete in the uh low end because if you want to buy, if you want people to continue buying your stuff, you have to serve the low end. And I mean, I guess the low end is $250, but 
it's mm-hmm. it's it's getting to be a more expensive. Well, they've done it right. Again. How long have we been saying on Broken Silicon? Nvidia's goal is to get the 50 class to 250. Yeah, I know. And they did it. We'll see if it's justified at $250. Although that doesn't matter because it will probably sell for $330 to $400, knowing the current market. <laughs> um, but you know, I think they had to release it, especially with the 65. Well, now both of their competitors competing at the low end, unless. NVIDIA just wants to give up that performance tier completely to Intel and AMD. And then the 3090 Ti, it's a bit confusing why they feel the need that for this to exist because mm. I think you, you can still make a decent case that the 3090 is the performance king. It's mostly trades flows with the 6900 XT, but it has better ray tracing performance. So maybe they can hang on to that mm-hmm. crown. And I just feel like pushing this card that is going to use like 500 watts is, is ridiculous. And I don't really see a reason for its existence aside from the fact that they can sell it for what, what what's our guess now? 20, $2,300. Like they can sell this for whatever they want to, because this isn't yeah. for someone that's looking to spend a smart amount of money on a computer. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when it comes to pricing, there's an argument they could just slot it in where it was before, but I I don't think they will. I I think this is a, always this is often a way for them to raise prices. People forget that a lot of people like the 3060 super, but it was their excuse to make the 60 class 400. <laughs> yeah. And you know, so I, I don't know. I I think it's probably likely to be two grand. I don't know why it wouldn't be in this. Yeah, one. I mean, twenty three hundred. I think was a bit hyperbolic. I I think there's a slight possibility that they would just go for that, but you're probably right that two thousand is the most likely number they go for. I could see seventeen hundred though, and again, I I wouldn't rule out if it is just fifteen hundred. But as of now. They're still selling 3090s on Amazon for three grand or more. So I don't see why they would go for lower than two grand. You know, yeah. I, I think it will command that price and at least for a bit. And if they need to do a price drop later, I guess they can. Although none of these people like doing that anymore. Um, I, I guess the other thing I would say then is I, I do want to bring up the RTX 3050 because I've noticed this like bizarre mm-hmm. debates going on in my discord where people seem to be under the impression this thing is powerful. It's they didn't, and we'll get to the 6,500 XT next, but let me just level set everyone's expectations here. I was kind of wondering if they'd give it faster GDDR six, if they would clock it as fast as they can, maybe give it a 140 watt TDP one four, like maybe just a hair under 150. That doesn't seem to be what they've done here. It has, what is this 38% lower bandwidth than the uh, 3060? Mm-hmm. And I think 30% or more without looking it up, less teraflops than the 3060 guys. This is something that will be like 20% weaker than a 2060. This will be probably weaker than a 1660 Ti, if not at best close to that. I I, I believe video cards even leaked a month ago that it's around a 1660 super or maybe slightly stronger. So uh, this is not something that 
really does anything but raise the price of the 1660 Ti while using, well, about the same amount of energy as the 1660 <laughs> Ti, I guess 1660 Super, not 1660 Ti or something. It's just an eight gigabyte version of that. And, you know, I, I honestly think, there's a lot of evidence they expect this to be heavily marked up and sold to miners too, just so everyone knows. I love well, some dumb things about Navi 24 too, but we'll save that for when we get to it. That eight gigabytes is, I mean, it kind of makes it the we- the weakest new car that you could pro- really use for Ethereum mining. So yeah, I'm sure some miners will be into the 3050. Um, and as far as the comparison to the 1660 Super, I really hope your calculation is off, even though... I don't think it is. I mean, we can't say until there are benchmarks out. Uh, if that's off, all they really did is increase the uh, performance tier. I mean, same performance from two years ago and are selling it at a slightly higher price now for, I mean, I guess a little bit more price, range. It depends. I guess you know, a little bit. When... Yeah. And I guess you get a little bit more RAM this time. Although this is a 1080p card. I, I it's going to be a 1080p card and that extra ram i do wonder how much use you get out of the extra two gigabytes over the 1660 at 1080p maybe it'll be a little better at 1440p or something uh for people that are playing like 1440p 60 fps i guess because you could probably get that to work fine yeah and that's the the thing too you know i, I did a 3060 review and i was oh, yeah not impressed you know i felt that level of performance it wasn't really a 1440p card for me there were multiple games where again you know going back to that review i i really did expect the 3070 to feel stronger but not crazy stronger and there were some games where i found areas where i was getting like 60 percent higher performance with the 3070 over the 3060 and i was like this isn't this doesn't need 12 gigabytes. This thing sucks. <laughs> well, Tom. This is for creators or it's mining. I, I This this really isn't going to use the 12 gigabytes at all. I, I mean, I think you and I can both agree that Ampere is the most strangely uh, segmented. paired and segmented line of cards I think I've ever seen since I've been into PC gaming. Like, I've never seen a line of GPUs just pair seemingly random amounts of ram to all their cards because that's con- <laughs> like i it, when you're looking at it you i understand why each thing has the product has the amount of ram it has but if you're just looking at it from the outside perspective it's like what the hell is going on <laughs> with this line of gpus yeah well i guess let's table that a little bit until yeah. the next story uh what did you think of the 3080 Ti laptop? I mean, I am under the impression this is a GA103 die with part of its bus disabled. Um, It's, once again, you know, not actually a 3080 Ti, and they're calling it the same thing, which is annoying. Um, But I guess it has 16 gigabytes of RAM, so for somebody that wants a true, true desktop replacement, mm-hmm. this is, like, the strongest thing you can get right now. And... That's the market it's meant to serve. Yeah. Well, let me move on to this reader mail here. Harry writes in, hey, Tom and Dan, or guest, that's Dan, 
Watching some content on the RTX 3050, I realized that I have no idea how much ray tracing and DLSS scales to the amount of RT and tensor cores that are there. As the amount of RT or tensor cores is mostly related to the general performance of the RTX cards, how much do they actually matter? How many tensor cores are needed for DLSS? Is there a difference in DLSS performance uplift between lower and higher tier GPUs? I feel all thrown back to the discussions of the Adore TV Discord and YouTube channel about the waste of die space for cores and for gamers are actually quite useless. Like, is space wasted on the 3090 because... For good DLSS, you need only half of the cores that are provided, as the 3050 might give some DLSS uplift as the 3090 does. Um, I think we've just seen pretty consistently that per SM is that's how much better ray tracing. And as you go up the Ampere product stack, there seems to be a slight advantage per SM over time that increases as you increase SMs. But I feel like that's mostly just underutilizing the SMs for raster performance, right? I, yeah. Like, I th if you look at a lot of NVIDIA's bragging about, like, performance uplift and ray tracing for Ampere, I think they said it's, like, 70% better than Turing. And it's like, okay, but you, like, over, like, you doubled the teraflops or over, like, <laughs> like, yeah. so in other <laughs> words, you brought 50%, maybe 55 to 60% more raster performance and 70% more ray tracing but the amount of teraflops you added is way more than that really you're just not utilizing the teraflops for raster as efficiently at least if you want to talk about the concept of teraflop efficiency for gaming which really it's like yeah it doesn't matter what matters is performance die size and cost that's I, all that matters it, but it, it was kind of coupled between them for a couple years so i think people decided some people decided that that was the norm even though it's not the norm that was just a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. And, and at the end of the day, I've tested quite a few Ampere cards, you know, the 3080 Ti, 3070, 3060. Um, it's not Ampere, but I've tested, I have a 2060. I've tested the A6000, the A, the A4000 as well. I've just never released those benchmarks. I just can't find the time to put it into something right <laughs> now. Uh, but I have tested the A4000. I have the pictures and benchmarks all done, people. Um, like, at the end of the day, I expected the A6000 to maybe get like a 5% efficiency boost in ray tracing with the LSS over the 3080 Ti I tested because I was like, well, it has more cores, you know, and so let's just see if this, but it didn't, you know, it, it didn't. It, it seems pretty consistent that whatever your gaming performance is, it's what your ray tracing difference is going to be as well. So just look at the number, you know, whatever the difference is in raster between the cards, that's probably going to be the difference in ray tracing. And they just kind of balance it with that in mind. I, I don't know what else to really say to that, that I just wouldn't think about it. Like how many ray tracing, you know, or cores do you need? How many uh, tensor cores do you need? Because the way Ampere works, it's just per SM, pretty much like RDNA 2 to a certain extent. It's all, there's a ratio going on. I, and, and again, there there are professional cards where they've like left more tensor cores enabled. And I know there's the mm -hmm. KO cards that are like, what was it? Like they had a, I think a disabled 2080 that they were selling as a 2060, but that's rare. And so, yeah, that gave you more ray tracing performance, relatively speaking, but it didn't like double it because you had twice as much more. Yeah, and you know, I it, the conversation doesn't really become that much more complicated unless something happens where, with their subsequent lines, um, you, ray tracing stops scaling or 
Yeah, or if ray tracing stops scaling as efficient or scaling equally efficiently to SM count, which that's not the case for the cards we have right now. So <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah, I guess what I'm saying, though, is I guess there are those cards like the 2060 KO that have more tensor cores and get oh, yeah, boosts, yeah. you know, but it's not like whatever NVIDIA has done, they think that's the balance, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, and I don't think it's as simple as double the tensor cores, double the whatever. It's like, eh, there's definitely more and more diminishing returns at a certain point. Um, and what they're balancing is what they think is the perfect balance to not lose raster against AMD and try to win in ray tracing still. Um, Bfish36 writes in, I'm still confused about NVIDIA's mobile lineup for 2022. Have you heard anything about the regular 3060 and 3070? NVIDIA trying to drive up average sales price with the TI models is totally on brand, but they can't just ignore the biggest segment of the market, can they? Well, AMD's lineup is interesting. We've seen they can't be relied on to supply the lion's share of the market. Can you please clarify what you see happening in the mid-tier mobile market in 2022? After the recent announcements, I'm left with more questions than answers. Now, yeah, I think you kind of asked this question uh, a month ago, Beefish, but you did. But I am noticing here that the, the last couple sentences are you saying basically I'm still confused. I mean, look, here's my answer. Can they ignore the middle of... No, but the 3060 is honestly fine. They'll just sell it for less in laptops if they need to. And your answer for what's going to happen is NVIDIA is Intel's going to take a lot of mid-range and low-end laptop market share. I think they are. I guess we, I, I can't say if this was intentional, but it's fortuitous for them that that is the segments of the market they're targeting <laughs> for Intel. And, you know, this is the best, I think Intel has a, really good entry point into the market at what they're targeting because frankly especially like if uh, on the lower end stuff too like intel might be the only people serving a certain segment of the market uh when they release their cards mm -hmm. 3080 ti seller man writes him hello tom and dan are you both excited for another rx 580 but now with half the vram i don't know let's start talking about it though this piece of content is brought to you by Vite Ramen. For 2022, give yourself the gift of an easy-to-make-at-home meal that's healthy, reasonably priced, and above all else, actually tasty so that you actually do eat a healthy meal. I eat it all the time, and it really tastes fantastic. It's so easy to either eat a packet by itself as a lunch, or you can put a couple of eggs in there while it's boiling, and, well, you can then have a hearty meal at the end of the day. Click the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to save 10% off a special bundle just for Moore's Law Z fans that includes spoon, chopsticks, and more. This is a great deal for you, and it really does help the channel tremendously. Seriously, I eat it. It's good they've been supporting Moore's Laws Dead for months and you buying their products supports me and you know what you really should try to if you want a healthy and tasty snack to start out this year and maybe get rid of some of that holiday weight buy Vite Ramen today story number three AMD RX 6500 XT revealed so yeah 
AMD unveiled the 3050 desktop competitor finally, and it's on 6 nanometer. It has a 64-bit bus, 16 megabytes of infinity cache, and it is clocked above 2.8 gigahertz with 18 gigabit per second memory. This truly should perform between a GTX 1650 Super and 1660 or higher than them both if you're below 1080p. It's basically a 4 gigabyte RX 590 that uses less than half the energy, or I guess another way to put it, it's a 4 gigabyte 5500 XT that costs more, <laughs> but I guess uses less energy and has ray tracing capabilities. So it's not the best thing. It's not what we all wished for at $200, but AMD was considering pricing this at 250 just so everybody knows, according to my sources. So they definitely were a little more, and I don't know if this is a, the right word, but it's the word I, I, I can't find the other one. This is a little more generous than they were considering doing otherwise. Oh, and I do feel like people are consistently missing the point that four gigabytes may actually stop miners from buying this card and keep it closer to MSRP. Um, what do you think of it? Well, that that last point is important to emphasize because like the Ethereum's mining algorithm essentially- It's above it now, yeah. Yeah, it, it, the, the algorithm changes. I don't remember exact when that the changes are scheduled to happen with Ethereum, but- it progressively uses more RAM over time, and now four gigabytes of RAM is—is uh, is it completely unusable for mining Ethereum, or is it yeah, just really I, inefficient? I think we're at like a point where like four point five isn't wouldn't be enough either. Not that I know of any four point five gigabyte cards, unless yeah. actually a, a, a leak I saw about Arc one twenty eight. There was some weird configurations I saw <laughs> recently, so who knows? But um, yeah, I mean, I I I don't know. I here again, I, I just feel like I have to say this about every RDNA 2 launch after the original ones. This is a good product. It costs more than it would otherwise. You can make the same criticism for everything. And it's fair to say it that it's costs too much because it does. I would prefer to see this at like, I don't know, one step. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if yeah, we're I mean, really going back to the normal days, I guess I, we I, account I, for inflation, maybe 150. I was going to say like 170 would be nice, but mm. yeah, I was hoping for 180 or 190, you know, to actually see like progression and price performance, because especially at the low end, that's just not happening anymore. And like, even in their press conference today, talking about the, f f talking about the, uh, 6,500 XT, they were kind of like, it, at least this is what it came up to me. Like them mm -hmm. they were like, We've noticed that 1080p gamers like this level of performance. So here it is again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Re I didn't catch on to that. Is it? We've noticed this is the perfect amount. That's why we're charging more for it. <laughs> I mean, uh, they they did say it used more I and mean, performed better against the cards they were it was competing with. I mean, like I believe it was the 1660 or something like that, and the 580. But um. Yeah, it, it it is what it is. Um, four gigabytes isn't a ton of RAM, especially at two hundred dollars and or one hundred ninety nine dollars in twenty twenty two. But um, hopefully, it's enough for ten eighty p for the most part. You know, uh, I mean, it's certainly going to be enough for ten eighty p sixty. I mean, I think clearly it will be. And I just yeah, that's still true. don't think people understand how much a high clock speed helps the lower the res you get to. This thing's not going to do 1440p or 
if it does in some games, they must be pretty goddamn old. <laughs> but it <laughs> yeah. will do 1080p 60, you know, at medium settings. I expect this to be a pretty decent 144 hertz gaming card, especially if you add FSR, which I don't call AAA gaming like AMD does for some reason. But I actually, that was the thing that annoyed me in this presentation multiple times is AMD like saying 1080p, FSR, AAA game. I'm like, okay, look, using this down sampling, this is not... <laughs> This is not AAA gaming, um, but you know I don't know what else to say. You know it is what it is, and when we compare it to the 3050, which now we fully can, now that we're at this part of the episode. Oh, I, I, look... I do want to make an uh, amendment. They were comparing it to the 570 in 1650. Uh, right, but how much did it outperform the 570? Uh, that outperformed the 570. They their graphs are really confusing, but. It looks like it outperformed the 570 by somewhere between 20 and 60%, depending on the game. <laughs> Which I think you guys got to understand, there will just be games where it's hilariously faster. Like, because of how high the clock speeds are, the you know, and like the fact that games are really utilizing RDNA too well right now. Um, So, you know, so what? He said between 20 and 60% more than a 570? Yeah, so I look. It's it's pretty much a 590 below 1080p, uh, and, and depending on the game, it will be a 580, a 590. You know, it's just going to be a little all over the place because of it is truly an MX card killer that's been pushed up into a 3050 class. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, it this was meant to be. I mean, this was meant to be like a 25 watt. <laughs> GPU and and they announced it will be they're going to use Navi 24 for that class of performance it's just they they just see such an opening and so much demand they're like well if we can make two of these almost for every 6600 XT we make then I guess let's just flog the crap out of it and make a ton of them you know because this is the level of performance that I would say is the minimum to game okay yeah and I I, I do think it's I, I, I will say, hopefully, with the uh, addition of what is their uh, driver implementation of FSR called again? I think it's RSR. My, RSR my, okay. Which I didn't put on here, but I mean, uh, hope, worth mentioning. Hopefully, that will give some better level of performance uh, across the board and uplift this the tier of performance this card would be in without FSR and RSR. But you also do have to add in the fact that if you're gaming at 1080p, what's the input image? For FSR at 1080p, it's like uh, it's probably 720p or 64. I, I don't honestly low. remember, but and, it's but, low would be the word. You <laughs> use. Yeah, it's very low, and every review I've seen of FSR has said that it does begin to really take a toll. So you know, hopefully with that, there's some level of performance they get out of it. But I think at 1080p, especially, you do have to caveat how good FSR is. Yeah, and again, with regards to what how I would compare this to the what the 3050. I mean, really, I think it's no different than comparing Navi 23 to the 3060. The RX 6600 XT, Navi 23, has a die a little smaller than the 5700 XT, but it's a more mature node. That was always meant to actually be the successor to the 5500 XT, but again, they pushed it hard because that the market says they can get away with it. Um, they were going to have, like, you know, the 6700 
at $400 with 12 gigabytes and a cut down Navi 22, of course. And then they were going to have the 6600 XT probably be like 300 with eight gigabytes, but they can get away with making it sell for more with a higher naming or whatever. So that's what they're doing. And at the same time, though, if you go to Newegg right now, the 3060 is $800 or more. If you go to the (laughs) 6600 XT is 600. And I know that doesn't sound great, but I expect it to be doubly, this difference to be double kind of what's about to happen here at the Navi 24, because it has four gigabytes of RAM. Miners, oh yeah, there's actually, there's one for under 600 here. Yeah, so, you know, and I've seen them for 500 regularly. Like, I know people are like, well, the 3060, and it probably will, you know, it'll probably be like 10 to 20% stronger than Navi 24. And and this comes from AIB's telling me it's neck and neck, guys. I'm telling you what they're telling me. There's a lot of people saying there's no way 16 compute units can perform this way. Well, whatever it is. So go make your own channel and tell everyone that all all AIBs don't know what they're talking about, I guess. But that that's roughly where this is performing. Um, and they've actually known about these cards for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, like a very long time, actually. <laughs> um, you know, so with the the fact that less miners can buy it, the 3060 is typically selling for 50% more than a 6600 XT. I'm saying I think the 3050 in reality is going to be a 400 to $500 card. And there will be 250 or less, $200, 6500 XTs you can actually buy. So... And they're not a different class of performance. One just has more RAM and will sell for probably twice as much on the market. And I think that's what really when talking about the 3050 and the 6500 XT, I don't think it's easy to say which one you would recommend you would buy right now because you need to see benchmarks and what the street price will be. And you're probably right that the 3050 will be more inflated over MSRP than the 6500 XT. Especially with, hopefully, the fact that it, the 6500 XT is on its own node and it's tiny, they'll be able to flood the market with 6500 XTs. It, and that's only if they see that there's the demand for a bunch of 6500 XTs, which I'm really not, I, I'm not sure what the demand for it is because I feel like most people want something stronger than a 6500 XT because... Most people that are thinking of upgrading probably have something that's a little bit weaker than a 6500 XT. Mm -hmm. This, let's be very clear about what we're saying. I don't love the overall product. I think it's an interesting die, though. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate with the prices. This isn't, I would not recommend this to people who have a 480 unless it's breaking. But if it is even relatively close to $200 on the street every now and then, at least there's an option outside of what three hundred fifty dollars sixteen fifties. I mean, this is better than the alternative, and it just still sucks. But notice that usually AMD likes having like a twenty five percent pricing difference between all of their tiers of cards, and this one's actually, you know, what is it then? One, two, well, it's three, almost like, half, isn't it? Yeah, maybe or, thirty forty percent less than. So they do suspect shortages will actually start to get better by the middle of this year. I think it's obvious AMD expects that, or at least they're accounting for that possibly happening. Yeah. Um, Evil Steve Software Box writes in, Hi, Tom and guest. It's Dan. If the ARC 6500 XT's TDP is 75 watts, well, it's 107, I guess. You know, that makes it seem like it performs rather poorly compared to what you have told us about Intel ARC SOC 2. 
Um, well, I expect SOC two to perform. Uh, it depends, right? I on desktop, I, I th- expect it to perform a bit above a sixteen fifty super, maybe, and then on laptop, well, it'd be you know probably around sixteen fifty Ti laptop or better. We're using less energy, so I don't know that it performs poorly. It's actually probably pretty similar with the Arc card having an advantage at 1080p with more settings turned up. That, that's probably how I would describe it. And, and actually, I, I just feel I need one more time to make it clear here, like when people are doubting how it will perform. Okay, guys, it has 16 compute units. The 6600 is 28. The 6600 typically runs at about 2.1 gigahertz. This is clocked... Boost to 30. Yeah, I mean... I mean, yeah, the, the 6600 boosts way lower than the 6600 XT. And if, that's about a, a 5,700 in performance. Guys, this is 16 compute units clocked, but they're, they're clocked almost 30, 40% faster than exactly. the 6600. faster, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so if you add 33%, I mean, what? I, if only I had a calculator in front of me at all times, which I do. Let's see, 16 mm-hmm. times 1.33. This is the equivalent of if it was at the same clock speeds, 21 compute units. And then it also is using 18 gigabit per second memory. And we all have to remember that Infinity Cache basically somewhat makes it so you just don't need nearly as much bandwidth unless you're at a too high resolution for the Infinity Cache, which I think 1080p will be okay-ish. So there's no way around it. I think this is probably going to be about 30% weaker than a 6600, which is a 5700. Okay. Well, the 3050, as I've covered, is probably going to be about 20% weaker than a 5700 as well, or a little more than that. I think the 3050 will be stronger, but anyone thinking the 3050 is going to be like 40% better, it, it won't be. It, it's going to practically be in the same tier while having a, a fake MSRP that's 25% higher, using more energy, and a street price probably twice as much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Table it, guys, in the Discord. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, it's just, again, nine teraflops. It's a little low for what I could have been for the 3050. All right, let us move on then to story number four. AMD Rembrandt detailed. Today, AMD revealed their much-rumored and discussed for months, or was it years at this point, Rembrandt APU. In summary, Rembrandt is an APU that is based on TSMC's 6 nanometer process, utilizes a new Zen 3 Plus core architecture, offering 30% more performance in certain scenarios compared to Cezanne's 7 nanometer Zen 3 uh, 8 core CPU, includes 12 compute units of RDNA 2 that doubles Vega 8's performance in at least some scenarios AMD showed, and likely beats the GTX 1050 Ti laptop card and possibly uh, probably the MX550 in performance. Now, we need to wait for third-party testing, but overall, it does seem like Rembrandt's big advantage isn't so much that it will beat Alder Lake Mobile in CPU performance, but that it will be competitive at power and idling in many scenarios. And that's something that I've also seen debated by people, is I don't think people are understanding that. Yes, if you have a laptop that's using all of the compute units, it uses more power than, well, it, it, it's, you know, it can use like easily 30 watts or so, but... At idle, it is supposedly going to have the same or lower or the same or longer battery life than Cezanne, which is already very impressive. And that I feel like this thing, 
At least what I'm also told from inside sources at AMD, that, that people are really, really underestimating what the real world power consumption will be. Mm. I mean, you know, my big takeaway from that, from the their Rembrandt portion of it, is it does seem like they're so pretty confident about how powerful it will be for the uh, as a low low end <laughs> gaming uh, device. So it does seem to me like the twelve compute units are a major deal. I mean, the 12, 12 compute units that is how what that's a sixty four hundred, which is the lowest end card they're releasing. Yeah. And I guess I'm trying to think of like, I I think I have to clarify to my statements of like, I don't think it's about the performance. I mean, what are we look? I mean, it's 30% higher performance than a CPU from the previous year. That's standard now guys. And the GPU doubles Cezanne's graphics. Uh, Okay. Well, that's still Vega eight, which Renoir had in, what, 20, 2019, 2020, 2020, I guess. Um, you know, that's not that big of a deal to me. This is still a 200 millimeter squared APU. Uh, the original Zen one APUs, I think were like 217, 240 is like around there, 230, somewhere around there, millimeter squared. Like they could make this bigger. They could give it 16 compute units. They could probably give it a little bit of infinity cash. There's, there's a lot they could yeah. do and fit it in there still. This isn't any more in GPU performance than what we should expect out of something that's launching, what, two years after Renoir's Vega 8 that already was a kind of anemic GPU for the die size. That's, I mean, that's really true. Like, their Renoir stuff was really best when paired with a discrete graphics card. And I think the need for a discrete graphics card is lessened, at least, with this. So you, I, I think you can have a reasonably good uh like thin and light laptop uh with just rembrandt in it and not paired with like what i have like a 1650 (laughs) right and now maybe you can play 1080p low at 60 frames instead of oh having to drop it to 900p low or something with you know but with saison but you know i I guess actually, I have to say this too. I think a well, lot of my opinion comes from the fact of like, is this not what we should expect by now? I I, I think a good way to put what you're what you're saying is, it's not that this isn't a a reasonable upgrade from like Renoir, but it's kind nor of nor expect- something that doesn't kind of bring a new capability to a standard laptop without a graphics card. Right. So I should say Cezanne, but uh, <laughs> it's not like this isn't a good uplift in performance. It's just that it's kind of what we should expect, especially the, I think the GPU performance, I guess you could say like, it's just the reason there's such a big uplift is because they haven't really been uplifting its performance (laughs) for shit with their integrated graphics for years, in my opinion. I I mean, when did they introduce Vega eight? It's been, it's been a while (laughs) after Vega 11. Oh yeah, that's true. You know, like, which it's like, I know it outperformed Vega 11, but it also was seven nanometer from 12. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. So I think it, I think what you can say is, well, and actually, I guess we'll see with Alder Lake Mobile how it compares. But I think Rembrandt is good. It's just, uh, you know, it's 30% increase in performance, which is good. And I, you need to erase the years in your mind of uh 
11% IPC increases and uh, the uh, RDNA 2 12 compute units is great. It's great that we have 12 RDNA compute units on an APU now, but you kind of would have thought RDNA would have came to the APUs maybe a year sooner, ideally. Yeah, like if they had like an eight compute unit APU meant for like lower end laptops and handheld things that was supposed to come out. If only that, money. if only that existed. <laughs> yeah, if only Van Gogh actually came out when it was supposed to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, so the last thing I want to say about it then is I saw some people in the comments like, or I saw one person, you know, I don't know, yeah. say, oh, that was unfair that you brought up that the consoles launched in 2020 and they don't need FSR to game below 60 frames in 1080p low. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, my point isn't that I understand why they use, you know, why I understand they're bigger APUs. That's not my point. My point simply is a $400 PS4 discless <laughs> games and plenty of games around 1800p60 and doesn't need FSR. So to say this is a AAA gaming APU when a $400 console is quadrupling its performance or more, I don't give a shit. <laughs> and, and it's like a we have... A $400 console. That's almost two years old, guys. This isn't magic APU. I, I, <laughs> it's impressive. It's an impressive APU, but it is not a AAA gaming APU. It is still not the AAA gaming APU I thought we would have by now. It, it, yeah, it's entry level. Uh, I, I guess if you want to say you can barely play AAA games, I, I guess you can argue that that's a AAA gaming APU. But I do think there is a point to be made, like you said, where, listen, APUs by AMD exist that have 52 compute units on them <laughs> and 36 compute units. Like, I don't think that would go into a thin and light laptop, but they exist and they... It, it's not some impossible thing to make an SOC that has more than barely enough uh, compute units to game at 1080p. Yeah, and I think what this would really have best been served in is if they could have got it on a desktop platform because, hey, look, if the 6500 XT can hit 2.8 gigahertz stock, I wouldn't doubt that a desktop variant of this at 100 watts could hit like really, really yeah. high clock <laughs> speeds. And yeah, I mean, maybe with good DDDR5 on desktop, this could get you something pretty closer to a 6400 XT. And then at least you have something to use during the shortage. The problem is it uses DDR5 though. This is going to be an AM5 APU, I think. That's going to be eventually mm -hmm. relegated to below the, you know, what is it, whatever they're going to call it, probably 7,600 XT, probably. I think they're going to use 6,000 for just Rembrandt, just like they did with Renoir. Um, mm -hmm. But so, you know, and by then the shortages will probably be a bit better. So in Fort, and, and, and God knows if they'll even bring it to that, they might just put Van Gogh there instead as their low-end APU on desktop. So yeah. I don't know. I, I just, it, it's good. And I think that it's going to continue to gain AMD market share because frankly, they can only go up right now. Uh, but I don't see it as magical yet, but we need to wait for reviews. So I have a suspicion that the battery lives with these are going to be really, really good. Uh, well, certainly from their keynote, you would think that they're, <laughs> that they're bullish on the battery life because they were advertising up to 24 hours. And I exactly. know, it's, and I know it's their marketing speak, but they tend to be pretty bullish. straight shooters though. Uh, like, and, and guys, 
I, I know there's people like, oh, but in one of their benchmarks, like the AP went to 28 watts, well, whereas the Saison one went to 15. Sure, in an APU test playing games, but I think when it comes to like real world power usage, I think it's going to be substantially longer battery lives than Saison most likely. Yeah. Um, anyways, let us move on to another CPU announcement. Story number five. AMD announces only the R7 5800X3D and shows off a 5 gigahertz Zen 4. Today, AMD announced the R7 5800X3D. Honestly, there really isn't anything to say about performance, in our opinion, that AMD didn't already confirm half a year ago. Zen 3D is 15% better than Zen 3. No, the only arguing, the only thing you could arguably say was a surprise about it is that it was the only Vcash CPU announced for AM4, and it's not coming till spring. In fact, the only other desktop Ryzen chip shown was a Zen 4 CPU running all cores at 5 gigahertz, which is exciting, but again, arguably a tad disappointing. To show off, in, at least in my opinion, Dan, to show off yeah. a new flagship coming out at the end of the year next to another gaming CPU that isn't out yet directly suggests that AMD is choosing to not release the top-end Vcash models with 16 cores, that they're basically telling people, if all you do is game, this is coming out. Otherwise, wait for Zen 4. Don't buy Alder Lake. Wait for Zen 4 is the messaging I got which, you know, SNES Chalmers writes in, Happy New Year, Tom and Dan. Did the lack of the 5900X3D and 5950X3D in the later in spring 2022 things about the 5800X3D really state catch you by surprise like it did for me? Might we see additional SKUs as launch nears, or is the 5800X3D just enough to fulfill the commitment to investors? To me, it seems to be too little too late to ship meaningful volumes, especially when Zen 4 was teased immediately after. Yep, probably less than half a year after it. Uh, boosting above 5 gigahertz all-core and coming a few months later. The spring 2022 is the part that really surprised me. Yeah, that is I thought it came out in February. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like spring, spring is very late. I, I was expecting, yeah, quarter one. I think everyone was expecting quarter one. Um, and to me, it, this just screams um, trying to prevent gamers from switching to Alder Lake in the meantime, if they're thinking of buying a CPU right now. And maybe they, their thought is it's better served. They can make 5800 uh, X3Ds with uh, one CCD and make a lot more of those to sell the gamers as opposed to putting those in a 5950 X3D uh, for a segment that's going to be served again within six months with the 4950X or whatever they want to call it. <laughs> yeah, which, out. you know, at the end of the day, Actually, they're really, you can't even really say they're more efficient than Alder Lake overall. It depends on the benchmark you're doing. <laughs> yeah. But what they're going to do is launch a CPU that should roughly tie the, shall we say, mid-range best gaming Alder Lake CPUs. And that's all they feel they need. They have a 16 core and they want to send as many of their Vcash dies to Milan X as they can, which has an insane advantage over mm -hmm. Intel server chips right now and might be one of the last years where they have that. It's just so important that they capture as much epic market share as they can because once you entrench server market share, it tends to not go away, whereas consumers get whatever the hell they want constantly. That's why AMD is doing this. It really doesn't surprise me at all. And again, I guess just to directly answer SNES Chalmers' question here, 
Did the lack of the 5900X3D and 5950X3D surprise me? No, especially when I saw the name. The second I saw that name, I'm like, I don't think they're going to show another one because they call it the 6000 series if they were going to. And then Spring, no, that's... then they show Zen 4. They're not going to show their new flagship if they want you to buy this one. I always thought this was an option, that it could be a limited release. You know, I never claimed to know they were going to do a full lineup. I was just hoping they would. But it's funny... Now that I think about it, we're in January. We I haven't gotten any leaks about it anytime. No, just just like Threadripper, just like Zen Three Threadripper. It's like at a certain point it was October, and I'm like, why don't my <laughs> sources know anything? This isn't coming out. Uh, yeah, that's actually a not a bad point at this point. <laughs> You're right; they're not going to show Zen Four, then go back and show Zen Three D. That would shows n 3d again that would show make a comparable no sense. like you know 16 core yeah yeah and the takeaway that they have that they're trying to show with the 5800 x3d is oh look look it's beating the 12900k in a bunch of games you don't need to switch to all they're like this well is... they only compared it to the 5900 x from what i saw are, are there slides you saw there's compared... slides comparing it to the five Five twelve nine hundred k. The twelve. Well, I didn't. I, I, somehow I missed that. I, again, guys, I'm running on fumes today. We just got back from uh, break. Uh, was what? What did it uh, overall perform like compared to it? It's just comparable. Uh, slightly. So they showed CS:GO. It performed slightly worse. They showed Gears of War Five was a tie, and then what are the other games? They show Final Fantasy fourteen, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Far Cry Six, and Watch Dogs Legions all had really meager performance well aside from final fantasy 14 which was 17 percent better than the 12900k the other three games were modest single digit improvements over the 12900k which i guess i'm actually gonna skip over a few reader mails and then come back to them story number six intel announces alder lake mobile i9 12900ks and kinda arc uh i i want to get to just one part of the story here then dan like consider this Intel announced the i9-12900KS. It was something that was rumored for, I think, over a month already. 5.2 gigahertz all-core, 5.5 gigahertz boost, and a huge TDP, of course. So, I mean, like, what's the point in AMD releasing the 5950X? It's not going to beat the 12900KS in gaming. No, it's not. And it, I, Or that, multi-threading. Like, that's what I'm saying. I think the, game, the thought they're having is this is for gaming and... There, there's no reason to release a way, way more expensive CPU that the uh, 5900X, 5950X3D would be versus the 5800X3D, which that is a long name. <laughs> yeah, I think it looks good on paper, but now that we're starting to say it a lot, I regret thinking that's what they should name it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess... And, you know, it just occurs to me, people need to remember this. There was no 2800X. There was only the 2700X. Mm -hmm. And the Threadrippers of the time did boost like 5% higher. And I've always heard about golden samples that were a little higher than those. They really wanted to go for it. AMD chose to not launch a 2800X because they're like, why? It, it still won't beat the 9900K and now we lose our efficiency advantage to try to keep up with it. So mm -hmm. what's the point? It, it's a similar situation here. They're not going to beat Alder Lake and gaming guys. I think it's time to face facts. And they realized it and they'd rather send those volumes to server. And you know what actually yeah, yeah, occurs to yeah. me too? This also would make it easier to make Zen for a big light look like a big uplift too, which is apparently more than on track. 
And I mean, I guess you do have to consider that as well. Like sometimes maybe six months later, having the, instead of what, like, I, I, I actually don't remember what the expectation is at this point, but I mean, if Zen four is hitting five gigahertz, especially I'm assuming it's going to be a really big uplift over Zen three and you know, the 5950 X 3d maybe just makes that look, I don't know, 10% worse than it would if they didn't have the X3D come out. Yeah. Um, and I guess moving forward then, I'm trying to think if there's really anything else to say about this. Well, yeah, I guess there is one more thing. Guys, they, they just showed Zen 4, and she said all cores are running at 5 gigahertz in an early engineering sample. All cores. Oh, that's true. And, and I've, I'm just going to let you guys know, I know there's rumors, uh, I think from Adore TV was the first one to say it, uh, about Raptor Lake hitting 5.5 gigahertz all core, whereas this is hitting 5.2. Uh, when I say this, the 12900KS. Yeah. I've heard similar things about Zen 4 boost behind the scenes. So when she says all core boosting 5 gigahertz, yep, I think it might be higher than that for the final one. I don't think this is like a golden sample. Yeah, and if they're reaching parity for clock speeds with Intel, who knows how potentially how much Zen 4 could thrash Raptor like if they're both hitting 5.5 gigahertz. I've always been told, and, it, and it's funny, it's usually phrased this way by the AMD sources. Like they'll start the sentence with the words like curiously, like curiously, <laughs> we expect to beat Raptor like in multi-threading with just 16 cores. Well, guys, right now we have an early engineering sampling five gigahertz all core. It sounds like Zen 4 will have clock speed parity pretty close with Raptor like. I think it will have 10, 15% higher IPC. There you go. Yeah. That will be the best gaming CPU anyway. So I don't know. There's a stopgap gaming CPU they're going to launch. If we're being entirely honest, targeted at the i7-12700K, which Bullethead writes in, where do you see AMD pricing the 5800X3D? It seems to be AMD's last hurrah for AM4, given how bullish they are at AM5 and Zen 4, but it doesn't seem to have anything for anyone with an A-core or more 5000 series CPUs. I, I think... You know, it comes out in spring. So what is that technically? End of March at the earliest? June is technically the end of spring. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's, it launches in spring. When does spring start? March to June. Yeah. So so I, I would say that it. I think AMD's got a couple months to see how sales go. Intel's taking market share, but not as many as people thought they would with Alder Lake. If that continues, uh, guys, they compared it to the 5900X. They might charge 500 for it. I was going to say split the difference between the 590, I mean, 5900X and 5800X and call it Which 480. Is, but yeah, no, 500 is 500. Yeah, I mean, I think around that is what they'll target, five, 500 plus or minus $20. Although I don't know at that point why you're taking $20 off. Although we can't discount that as things improve and things continue, Maybe Alder Lake starts taking more market share over time than they thought they might. And if that happens, there's no reason they can't just make the 50. Like, guys, it's <laughs> there's no reason they can't make the 5950X600, the 5900X500, the 5800X3D400 and 350. And like, you know, basically codify what Micro Center is selling these for anyways. Like, there's mm -hmm. no reason they can't do that. So. It's just going to depend on if Alder Lake's taking market share and if they want to just get rid of their last stock, which I think this could be an excuse to do that. Like they could say, here's the $400 5800X3D. Everything else gets a price drop. We're getting rid of our stock before Zen 4 launches. 
I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I would just if, not discount that happening. Yeah, and if they launch that for four hundred dollars, eh, that would probably be a pretty good deal, especially because CPUs are way less unreasonable pricing <laughs> than uh, GPUs right now, at least compared to their MSRPs. Yeah. Carrie No Sugata writes in. When AMD announced their first Vcash product, I was a bit disappointed by both the limited range of products and by the clock rates. I think it is clocked a little lower. I also downgraded my expectations then for how many Vcash models will be used in Zen 4 desktop processors. Do you think this is an overreaction? After all, this is the first release of a brand new technology that has been many years in the making. Alternatively, do you think it's better to view Vcash as something they were only developing for the server market and its release on the desktop is more about bragging rights than anything else. I don't think that's, I, everything's developed for the server market first. Let's be clear about that. But do I think that we should downgrade, which I thought was the interesting question here. Uh, thank you, Kari, for this reader mail. You know, our expectations for Zen 4, my answer is no. I've always expected kind of half of the lineup to have it. Uh, and the fact that it's a 5800X3D should tell you they're probably going to have at least the middle and up have it with Zen 4 still. I, yeah. It doesn't really change my expectations at all. For and, and again, I don't know this for a fact, but it is my opinion that this isn't about yields or ability or being worth it in terms of like to manufacture it on a low end or across a stack. This is literally about wanting to send more chiplets to Epic. That's what this is about, <laughs> you know, and I don't think that's, I, I think Zen 4 will have a decent amount of uh, Vcash models. Mm -hmm. uh, Melodic Warrior writes in, I'm willing to wager my entire reputation that Intel's Arc launch is going to be a big success. Would you? No. My entire uh, reputation? <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. We don't even know pricing yet, so. We'll right, which, which I guess let me kind of put a timestamp here as we kind of start migrating back into story number six, which part of it was the 12900KS, but now we got to start talking about Arc and Alder Lake Mobile. So yeah, I've, I've brought the 12900KS. I have another part of a light up right up here that continues off of it. Intel also announced their 2 plus 8 and 6 plus 8 mobile CPUs, but frankly, what is there to say? They will probably take the laptop CPU performance crown momentarily. I mean, think about it, guys. The 6 plus 8 model is an i5 with more little cores, a desktop i5 with more little cores. Uh, the 90, which already beats the 5800X. Uh, the 96 EU graphics will be around the performance of an MX450 if clocked highly, which we've already seen some people clocking Alder Lakes integrated to 2.3 gigahertz, by the way. But it's probably not going to be as good as Rembrandt. And it doesn't seem like Intel is confident they will beat Rembrandt in efficiency consistently because they just did not talk about it during their press conference, which is bizarre. That's usually the thing they talk about with laptops. Yeah, so that that's tells true. me they're positioning Alder Lake laptop as a huge performance uplift, more so than battery life, whereas AMD did the opposite. Well, AMD tried actually did both, but yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, supposedly Arc, according to Intel, is shipping to OEMs now despite them not saying any specifics about specs or release dates or models, which makes me continue to question when that this is a quarter one launch. Yes, they showed off some laptops. I do believe there will be some laptop models launching with them, but mm -hmm. I don't think so until mid to late March. I believe the last podcast we recorded, I predicted that they will be in warehouse shelves in quarter one, and that does confirm it, Tom. <laughs> exactly. It's like... And, and they say shipping now, 
I believe they've just started production based on the information I have of like, they've already been making some SOC one and SOC twos, but these aren't like the main production bulk. Like they're just net right about now, I believe starting SOC two. So the little one production. So, you know, guys, that's going to go on for weeks and then you got to ship them and then you got to package them and then final test. Like, so that's not launching that's until a couple, February I mean, at the earliest. That's a couple months, isn't it? Or Yeah. Okay. From start to finish, pretty much all of everything I just said. So, you know, I don't know. They keep saying it's shipping, but. <laughs> it's probably, it's probably quarter two, pro- maybe late quarter For two. For most of the products. Yeah. Like a lot, most of the laptops I'm directly told by OEMs making the laptops guys will not be ready till late quarter two. So <laughs> whatever, believe, you know. And, and so I continue to believe there'll be a limited laptop release, especially for the smaller SOC March and then be, very beginning of quarter one or March 31st as usual, <laughs> beginning of quarter two or March 31st, they can say it's quarter one, some kind of desktop launch, maybe paper launch. And then those will roll out through April and then you'll start getting more laptops in May. So that's that, so how I continue to say, I just think I have to say that because they keep trying to convince us it's a quarter one launch, and then they still haven't told us anything. It's January. We know it's not in large scale production at this point. You can firmly say it's probably not quarter one. I mean, just speaking from press Mostly releases, I guess one. there will be products yeah, in quarter yeah, one everywhere. Yeah. There's still the chance for like, I guess, a, a one month from now, a press release that they oh, that they come sure. out in March or something. I think that's possible. Yeah. Oh, I mean, certainly. The timeline of releases for products is usually they officially announce them like three weeks before they come out. So there's still room, but mm-hmm. it, it's getting smaller, especially with they, they have a huge platform like CES and they said literally nothing about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today's video is brought to you by cdkoffer.com. Whether you're looking to get good deals on PlayStation, Microsoft Office Professional, or both Windows 10 and Windows 11 operating systems, cdkoffer.com has you covered. CDKey is a long-term sponsor of Moore's Law's Dead, and that's because they have been consistently providing me and Moore's Law's Dead's fans with a service that I think PC gaming just needs reasonable operating system and Microsoft Word prices. We all have to use these products and we don't need to overpay for them if you use cdkeyoffer.com. And you know what? I know I will be using these products later this year for a new Raptor Lake or Zen 4 system most likely. And I will do so knowing that, well, they're all legitimate keys and they are going to be delivered to me quickly and promptly when I buy them. Don't waste any more money than you need to this year. Use the link in the description or on screen to go to cdkeyoffer.com. And when you're there, whatever you decide to buy, make sure you use one of these offer codes. Broken Silicon gets you 30% off all Windows software, and Dyshring gets you 3% off anything else on the website. And this really does help the channel. It helps you save money. Use these offer codes. Use the link. Go to cdkeyoffer.com today. Um... Bullethead writes him, hey, Tom and Dan, compared to the all-time greats like Bill Mays and the ShamWow guy, how would you rate Chuck from Intel's presentation in terms of infomercial host power level? I assume that's the ball guy that was mainly doing the talking at this one. I actually don't remember the names. I guess guess I could look that up pretty quickly. I sent you a picture of Chuck, Tom. He was the guy that was... uh, Really? Yeah, he was the guy that was uh, uh, at the bench showing off the laptops. 
wait a second. On which platform uh, I haven't on, seen it? On Facebook. No, it's loading, so. He he yeah, was Facebook's the guy slow today. He was the guy at the bench uh doing his infomercial oh. promotions of Oh and, the, oh yeah, yeah, the yeah, the New Jersey bouncer. Yeah. I would say Billy Mays still outranks him in, in infomercial power level, but he 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 was he was a good performer for uh, infomercial standards, I would say. You know, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I watched the AMD presentation with a lot of attention. I mostly watched the NVIDIA one with attention and started typing up notes during it. And I was eating lunch and doing a couple chores while the Intel one was on. So I honestly don't remember Chuck that much. But what I will say is, call me crazy, I actually think Intel's presentations are fine now. I think they are substantially better than what they used to be. They're better than what AMD's old ones are, and they're better than what NVIDIA's ones are now currently. I will say, though, that the last 15 minutes of the Intel presentation was insanely boring. I don't know what they were thinking, but that's the yeah, only I thing mean, I would say. The, these conferences, you always have the, or keynotes, I should say, you have the, uh, your big thing, or one of your big things at a minimum at the end, mm -hmm. too, because that's your closer. Everyone knows how a presentation works. And yeah, I, I will say, like, uh, I don't know, some of the stuff with the NVIDIA presentation like, like that I looked through a bit was kind of funny. Like the, when they were showing off the 3090 Ti, they didn't like have any graphics or anything. They just like kept cutting to him while he was talking about it and then cutting back down to the 3090 Ti. It was edited a, little a bit funny. weird. It was a little like, weird. He's still talking about it. I guess we need to cut back to the 3090 Ti. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I just, I guess one thing I did say in my video, though, is we have to remember that NVIDIA just isn't catering to gamers anymore with, with these presentations because they're all going to buy them anyways. Yeah. And this yeah, that's is not a bad for the point. AI investors from my perspective. Um, did you see that, you know, now that we're kind of finishing this part of it, did you, <laughs> I have to bring this up. Did you see that it, like Jensen practically showed he's going on a date in one of the... <laughs> no. <like they're, laughs> You didn't see that? It was in the beginning of my video. There's a part where there's a woman in a self-driving car, and she's, like, looking up good restaurants in Vegas and then says, what's a good wine to go with that? And then says, can we make a reservation for two? I'll meet Jensen there. And I'm like, did he just, just brag about a chick meeting him on a date? I guess he did. I mean, I was just laughing. Like, did, <laughs> did I just see that subtly put in there? <laughs> like, what the heck? What wine goes well with that? Nobu's head sommelier recommends a crisp white wine like a Sauvignon Blanc with black cod miso. There is availability for a party of two at 7.30 p.m. Can you respond to Jensen to let him know to meet us there tomorrow? Okay, sending. <laughs> and then they also, I thought the tie thing was funny, and I've seen people getting mad, like, hey, they're saying tie. I know internally NVIDIA says tie. I know. But they literally have people in their presentation saying T.I., and then the guy just goes back to tie. It's weird. And I, I, I also found a forum post from seven years ago. People having this exact same conversation, apparently, Tom. So it's, a, it's an almost decades-long debate. Is it tie or is it TI? Tie. It's got a NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3080 TI in this thing. The 3080 tie and 3070 tie. TI in this thing. <laughs> All right, but let's move on. Blokes writes in a 96 execution unit DG2 GPU clocked to shit 
2.3 gigahertz, has the potential to perform like a GTX 1060 based on Alder Lake overclocking tests. I should let you figure out what a performance, a 300% of that would be. So I guess it's just pointing to like, like uh, people, I think, and I, I, I don't know if I'd word it the way he did. I don't know the exact percentage. So I haven't really checked it that much, but I think people are really, really missing the point of Alder Lake integrated graphics testing so far. They're like, you know, it performs this way and it's like, it's not that impressive. It's like, yeah, it's only 32 execution units. And it turns out you can almost double the clock speed by overclocking it. Yeah. What do you think a 96 or 128 version of this will perform like? And you go, boop, 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 look it up. Oh, look at that. <laughs> it's competing with AMD and NVIDIA's cards around that uh, power usage and uh, cost as well. So, well, and actually that was the thing I wanted to bring up quickly that I forgot. If, I mean, if the 96 compute unit, uh, execute, not compute unit, execution unit, all their like stuff comes out relatively soon alongside Rembrandt, I think that's a somewhat early test case to see how they will perform against each other. If, well, that might be the first test case we have to see how it performs against RDNA 2. Even though before everyone attacks me, I know there's a lot of differences. Like it doesn't have infinity casts on DDR5 instead of GDR5, but. Yeah. Well, but yeah, I, I guess I don't know. I, I almost said, well, they would give it infinity cache if it needed it, but it's different from the consoles where it's like, yeah, I know the PS5 doesn't have infinity cache, but it like, it, it it literally it just has a such a bigger bus and the Series X has a way yeah. bigger bus than the teraflops would suggest compared to other RDNA two. You know, I guess this isn't exactly the same because it's using DDR five. But Timo writes him, "Hi Tom and Dan, what's with these events today on the fourth of January? It seems like everyone is holding back their products or just teasing. Nvidia has a new financial year. AMD is older, like breathing down their neck, and Intel has pressure to sell DG two. So what's the holdup?" Reminding me of an old adage that in engineering, small steps are better than going for the slam dunk in one try. Anyways, I'm just saying the per the perfect is the enemy of good is what I kind of see going on here. But I don't know. Otherwise, why was there mostly teasers and it feels like everyone's holding back? And I just, my answer is I think it, I think NVIDIA is, this is what they've got. And I think Intel, it's almost like they're not really launching their cards in quarter one is what I would argue. <laughs> I, I would say from Intel's perspective, that's definitely true. But, you know, NVIDIA and AMD do both have products that are tangible that are coming out within a month. So there was some... Exactly. There was real stuff. There's, It's just they've served the high-end market, which is what most people are interested in following, I think. Um, and so for right now, there's nothing that's going to serve the high end market within the, the next six months from AMD, um, unless you count the 5,800, uh, X3D. X3D, which, yeah, I get, I don't know if we would consider that high end or not, it, probably, <laughs> but, uh, sure for gaming. Yeah. I mean, it'll compete with the best gaming CPUs at least. So I would, um, at least in terms of gaming high end, um, I, let me let me say this then. I, this is probably a good time to finally circle back to this. Were you disappointed by the reveals overall, or is this about the level you expected on average? If you average together the three conferences, or what? I mean, we delayed this podcast. It, it makes sense that we did because I, I it, we would have been releasing a podcast that's like it's a news podcast, so 
episodes inherently aren't evergreen, but uh, it spoiled the day we release. It wouldn't have made any sense. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think it was a good decision to delay the podcast from that perspective. But, you know, like I wasn't expecting them to. I wasn't expecting Zen 4 to be coming out in March. Like I wasn't expecting them to say well, that. Zen, I, Zen, you weren't expecting Zen 3D. No, I, I'm saying I wasn't expecting the movie. Oh. Okay. <laughs> it, well, I don't think anyone was, but. Okay. I just don't know if you could have expected too much more. I, the one thing I will say that was definitely missing is Ark should have. I agree. I, I wish it would have had a more prominent presence. AMD, they showed off, they showed off the new cards that we were, that were expecting them to show off. They showed off Rembrandt and they showed off briefly Zen 4. I don't think you could have expected too much more out of them. And I kind of think the same thing of uh, NVIDIA. Although I will say it is from NVIDIA and AMD, this is like the longest line of products I've ever seen come out. Like the <laughs> RDNA 2 has been being released now for what, 15 months or something? One of them's on a different node. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's <laughs> RDNA 2 and Ampere are getting a little long in the tooth, so I'm excited for them to move on after this, hopefully. Right. But here's the thing. Everything's selling, even if shortages yeah, get better. True. And I think they will by the middle of this year. Not fixed, but get significantly better, at least for AMD's side. I, I, I don't think there's literally any incentive to talk about Lovelace or RDNA 3. I did have a source say that they might tease RDNA 3, but I was basically told it's either going to be Zen 4 or RDNA 3, and I kind of thought Zen 4 makes more sense. Like, there, I wouldn't tease any upcoming graphics cards until supply catches up with demand at all. And you're still, they're still both advertising Ampere and RDNA 2. Why would you, it's low end, so they're different segments, but like, why would you uh, deflate your release of your new graphics card by saying, and in six months we'll have this. <laughs> yeah. So I guess if we were to go step by step, AMD first, they showed Rembrandt. They showed a lot of details about it, actually. And they showed a ton of details about upcoming new GPUs. Not all of them are six nanometer, like I think we thought a lot more of them would be. It seems like just Navi 24 is. Yeah. But at the same time, they are still new configurations that take up less space, use less energy. So whatever there's a refresh on mobile coming out from amd from top to bottom kind of and they are bringing a new performance tier and they are like the 6650 mxt is 20 percent faster than the one it's replacing like i i showed this in the video okay so the 6600 m was beating the 3060 at least the benchmark i looked at by 10 percent at same power usage so if they go 20% above that, what now their mid-range is now just a 3070 competitor? That's why the 3070 Ti laptop's coming out. And NVIDIA showed that. I the only thing I wonder is if they would show a 3080 12 gigabyte. But again, if it's a 12 gigabyte, that means it's not based on GA 103. So I don't know why you'd launch that yet. Well, there's still, you know, I, I pretty much what was shown is what I expected out of AMD and NVIDIA. The one thing, minus a couple things, like I was just hoping. Vcash, there'd be more Vcash talk I and products. I was hoping there might be a couple more NVIDIA cards shown, but overall it was about what I expected. Arc, I agree. That's the one where I was like, I expected a more. I didn't expect all of it actually yet because like, unlike other people, I'm telling you, <laughs> this isn't coming out for a couple months still in reality. So some of them will, but for the most part. So I didn't really expect the full thing on Arc, but I did expect some of them to be at least half revealed. I, 
I, I really think arc is the thing that is just not there. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely what was missing from these, this group of uh, press conferences. And I will also say it, it is interesting. These press conferences, they really do all feel like they're all three companies are constantly responding to each other now though, which is nice to see like the 5,800, uh, X3D and the 12900KS <laughs> reveals are like both direct responses to each other, which is good that competition is strong right now. You know, it's funny. I'm also like Intel directly mentions Raptor Lake and just glossed over it. I was like, did, did, like, did they forget <laughs> they haven't announced that yet just because of how many things are leaking before? <laughs> but I guess they have inadvertently leaked it. But I just think it's I funny mean, that they said Raptor Lake and they like haven't really fully like consistently acknowledged it. And they're just like, yeah, and Raptor Lakes, like they're just like, at a certain point, it feels like AMD and Intel are just getting to the point where if something's leaked ahead of time, they're not even going to pretend people don't know. I mean, I have to wonder, like, is Raptor Lake on Wikipedia at this point? Because yeah. if it is, it's like, <laughs> it's like, why act like it's an announcement really? Yeah. Because it's, it's like, uh, Bergamo. Uh, I, I really feel like they were getting ahead of it. Like that they, they announced it themselves, like right before it almost just became a common knowledge thing that it was out. <laughs> yeah. D money baller writes in with Intel's DG two. Do you think there will be a popular deep learning framework such as PyTorch or TensorFlow? They'll be ported to run there since most popular frameworks use CUDA. If so, how long do you think it'll take to release DG three? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, which brings us to story number seven. Uh, Intel DG3 Battle Mage Whispers emerge. Intel goes high end in 2023, which was the final leak of the year from Moore's Law's Dev. We're right up here. Well, on Christmas break, Moore's Law's had formalized some whispers he had loosely leaked in the previous end of fall loose ends. In summary, Intel DG3 Battle Mage, or Elasti, again, as first leaked by Moore's Law's Dead, is planned to release in 2023, about 1 to 1.5 years after DG2. Unlike DG2, which targets mid-range GPU performance directly and isn't going for the high end, Elasti is Intel's first full-throated attempt at going for the crown, or at least the high end. And as of now, it cannot be 100% confirmed by all sources that it's multi-die like RDNA 3, but it probably is based on a couple uh, on the input and the fact that it's supposedly going to compete with Lovelace. And one thing is confirmed, Intel is acting confident about ARC's overall roadmap now in a way that they never were before. Finally, Meteor Lake is also mentioned as being better than people are expecting and possibly hard for AMD to compete with. Anyways, yeah, the main thing I'd like to address, actually, I've got some notes here that I noticed after that DG3 Battle Mage kind of like more formal version of stuff I was already saying for a while came out leak is a lot of people were saying this is a hot take and it's like, take? This isn't my opinion. I'm, th that's what they're saying, guys. <laughs> and I do have to, just to add to that, well, not uh, reinforce it. Like I would argue based on what we're, what we're predicting the performance of ARC will be, it, it's almost already licking the heels of high end. It's not quite there, but it's, it's at the top of mid-range, I would say at least, or will likely be at the top mm -hmm. of mid-range at least. So 
I don't think Intel is getting into graphics card, discrete GPUs to just be in the mid tier forever. I would assume by the second generation, they would be at the high end or third generation at the latest. Right. And I I just think there's a couple things people got to remember. I just have it on very, very good authority from multiple people that they've been trying to get multi GPU working like RDNA three supposedly has it working now. Although it's not out yet, so does it really? Um, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they've been trying to get that working since DG1. And that's a whole saga that I covered, honestly, at this point years ago, where they, like, had four tiles, then two, then they're like, we, it's inefficient, so we're just going to make it a one-tile thing and make it a big tile, relative to what the tiles were going to be before, I should say. And, and we've even seen parts of things that I leaked first, like Arctic Sound come out, where they showed some of the configurations I had talked about. Yeah. It was, like, cut down massively and used tons of energy, like I was told it was. Like Intel's been trying to get multi-GPU working. I don't think we should assume they never will. They they were hoping to get it working a while ago, just like AMD was hoping to get Vcash working for Zen 2, but never did. So it is coming, and it makes sense that it would come with DG3. And I think a lot of people are surprised by this because they're like, what? DG2 isn't even out yet, and it won't be out until quarter two. <laughs> and, you know, it's, you know, a, a card that's, only going to compete with mid-range cards that are going to be a year and a half old by the time it comes out, the majority of two years old by the time it comes out. Right. But it was also supposed to launch at the end of 2021 or really mid-2020 if they can mm-hmm. pull it off. It just didn't. So these are different design teams learning from mistakes made by the previous gen moving forward. It's very reminiscent of RDNA 1. RDNA 1 came out half a year late, only in the mid-range, and they learned from it. And then RDNA 2 came out well, a year later, a little over a year later. And I do have to say, though, uh, the timing, I think, will be different uh, with R- versus RDNA 2, where RDNA 2 pretty much re- released right on top of uh, Ampere. If my timing for all of this is correct, I think uh, DG3 is still probably going to come out after, uh, decently after uh RDNA 3 and Lovelace. Yeah, my understanding is RDNA 3 should drop at the end of 2022, and then RDNA 4 should drop at the beginning of 2024. So if you think about it, okay, so this is, you know, launching a year and a half after DG2, DG3 is. That's perfectly respectable distance in time, and it's launching probably about 10 months before RDNA 4. And I don't know, eight months after RDNA 3, this is totally believable. Like I saw people in the Discord after this leak came out going, saying, yeah, is this a hot take? You know, this is interesting. You know, like, how is it going to beat Lovelace? They would need a node advantage to beat Lovelace. I'm like, yeah, it's coming out like eight months after Lovelace. It could have a node advantage. Lovelace is, as far as I'm aware so far, TSMC 5 nanometer. This could be 4 nanometer. Well, yeah, especially if, and it seems like Intel is confident on their timeline now. If their timeline for their nodes is correct, it, yeah, <laughs> it will have a node advantage probably. Yeah, and I, and I saw multiple people online arguing about if they can make sense of the leaked, I guess there's some rumored specs out there about it might be like a dual 640 execution unit is what my memory tells me. I, I honestly haven't checked. I, I thought I saw that while I was on break. And it's like, I don't know if it is, but what I will say is I don't know that I'd try to make it make sense in either direction. Like some people were saying that wouldn't be strong enough. To which I would say, if it is dual 640 execution unit, 
So that, it's I mean, more than double a 3070 Ti in performance if it scales well. That that sounds like a Lovelace killer, actually. But I mean, even if there's no IPC increase from DG2, yeah, that's going to be more than twice as strong if it scales well. Yeah, it, that's that. Yeah, so <laughs> that sounds like that could be Lovelace, actually. But you know, I wouldn't argue for or against it either way. I would just say. You know, there's a lot we don't know. It's a new architecture. And a lot of people said, yeah. be, it's hilarious. A lot of people said RDNA 2 is only 256 bits, so it can't beat the 3070. Wrong. We didn't know about Infinity yeah, I forgot Cache. about that take. <laughs> also, it was funny because it was double wrong. We didn't even know they doubled the CUDA cores or Ampere. You know, mm -hmm. so when we try to argue about the specs we know about now, we don't know what cache system they may have, what 3D stacking tech they may do, what node it's on. All I'm telling you guys is they're going for the crown in 2023, about a year after their competition launches, but a year before the follow-ups are, which is a nice cadence for Intel, I think, so they can seem impressive, is beating the previous gen, but also launching before the next gen. Yeah, and, you know, just to this idea of a, a, 600, a 640 uh, dual chip uh, GPU that they come out with, even if that's a thing that's currently being tested or planned, uh, there's no way to know if that's what's going to be the product that comes to the market probably two years from now. Like, mm -hmm. there, there's no way to know. Right. Two, yeah, because I think RDNA 2 specs were basically locked in stone about a year before it came out. But before, more than that, there were a lot of things they were considering. And again, guys, there were RDNA 3 designs that were monolithic again that aimed for more like a 50% increase over RDNA 2. That was their conservative. Like I've seen an interesting spec sheet for one of them. And it's just, no, well, they got it working supposedly. So now they're going to do much more. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, though, that's the final story. Let us move on to the wrap up, which is a fairly modest wrap up. We just, frankly, we're, again, guys, we're running on fumes. I feel like I've said that too many times this episode. Um, and, but it's probably, I'm probably said, we're running on fumes too many times because I'm running on fumes. Hmm. So the wrap up's pretty small, but I, I think no one, honestly, if we talked about what people really want to know about, but you know, Dan, did you see the new B660 motherboards were tested by uh, hardware unboxed and they have the new Intel cooler? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, looks decent. Yeah. It looks good. I mean, it's kind it's not of as like good what, as AMD is, but yeah. And it's kind of what we were talking about. Like cheaper options are going to be a thing in the future <laughs> with all they're like. Yeah. The 12700 non-K, which, yeah, I, this should be really good uh, depending on the price, which, mm, I mean, I think probably 350 is, is quite a possibility as yeah. the real street price, at least. Um, I mean, what, we already saw Micro Center, the 12700K going down to like 330 during Christmas period. Jeez, what a good deal. Um, and let's see what else we got here. Norton Virus added an Ethereum miner to their software. I just thought that was funny. And I saw some people arguing this was horrible, but I have seen counter arguments that this is so you don't need to use a different Ethereum miner that will be flagged as a virus is their argument. Although for being honest, mm -hmm. it's a way for them to take a cut out of Ethereum mining. Oh, I'm sure. I like it's an it's an antivirus software company. I'm sure it's not like super great. <laughs> <laughs> you mean antivirus companies are always awesome. Um well, so the final one here was added at the last minute. I didn't make it a major story because I don't feel like we had enough time to properly cover it like one, but I guess Sony just announced PlayStation VR 2. I, I, I still don't think at this point that it's worth 
getting the coverage of a full story anyways. It's mm. it's high resolution, I guess, a tw- uh, 2000 by 2040 per eye, which I never remember resolutions, but that's certainly a lot higher than uh, what it was uh, on the first PSVR. Yeah, I believe the first one was 1080p, 120 hertz. And now they're, I was always told they were targeting 1440p uh, per eye. This is somewhat close to that, but not quite there. Actually, let me actually do some math here because I am curious literally what it is. Wow, yeah, that's over double 1440p is what I'm seeing here. Right, two thousand times twenty forty, times two, and then fourteen forty p is twenty five sixty by fourteen forty. So then it's a hair below four k. Wow, yeah, that's pretty aggressive. And I'm trying to remember, like, I think that's higher resolution than other stuff that's on the market right now. So mm-hmm. this time around, they're not going for like a, I guess, entry level kind of is what you could call PSVR one, where it's really good i mean it worked well but it definitely had some of the issues with vr like uh the screen door effect because it was just lower resolution yeah yeah this is it looks like they're trying to target something i guess there's actually two things to keep in mind with this so yeah 110 field of degree view which is decent um i know there's higher ones but that's that's probably the one thing they compromise on i guess uh almost 4k total resolution which is an interesting this isn't the highest i mean there are 4k per eye vr devices <laughs> well um, i'm looking at a list of all vr devices the highest is 2880 by 2720 which is insane <laughs> yeah so i think what they're doing here is they're like hey look 120 hertz is what we're going to stick to because that's what we think consoles will reliably do for a long time we're sticking to a resolution that's above 1440p per eye and I think they're doing that because they know they still use PSVR 1 with the PS5. I think this is them going, hey, there's going to be a PS5 Pro. This might is still probably going to be used with the PS6 potentially. So mm-hmm. let's make it so it can last. Yeah, and I think it will. Like It's, pro- it's coming out, I would assume, probably next year. Maybe late this year. It, there will be other devices that come out that are higher resolution than it. But this is... As far as VR devices currently stand, I think at the higher end for as far as resolution goes. Yeah, and I guess they announced a new Horizon game for it. Um, mm-hmm. Or who knows what that is? I haven't, again, guys, we haven't really looked into this. Um, and yeah, I mean, wireless. Uh, yeah, and of course, they put the cameras on the cam. Yeah, so it is four cameras for headset and controller tracking IR camera for eye track yeah so it should be way less cumbersome i'm a little disappointed as always but we've known this for a while because they said it a year ago that it will still need a usb type c to plug into oh i wonder why they put that on the front of the ps5 at launch yeah for this um the but i was hoping to be wireless when i see this resolution well now i know why it's not wireless yeah uh, that's the big disappointment though it would be great if uh it could be wireless although one usb c cord as opposed to what was going on with the first as one opposed a lot to better. just the rube goldberg machine you had to set up <laughs> to use it before yeah. and the fact that there's not all of these like lighthouses and sensors around it I, I think you're halfway there to it not being cumbersome the difference between having to set up a bunch of sensors everywhere all these cords to just oh there's one cable you plug into the console below your tv that is actually like way better now that i think about it yeah All right. Well, let us move on to the final reader mails then. Daniel Dewar writes in, 
Hi, Tom. QQ. When we look at how well each GPU performs at different resolutions, the performance numbers are pretty digestible. How does this translate to VR? For sim racing, for instance, does one need to view VR as closer to 4K than 1080p? How much does this vary by VR headset type? Really, I'm just looking for some guidance so I can decide if I need to switch to triple monitors to make GPU shopping easier. Um, I mean, just do what I what, what we were talking, what I literally did. I, I, I added up the pixels and the PSVR will be over double what 25, what 1440p is. And it will be a hair, what is it like? I don't know, like, what is this, like 4%, 3% lower resolution than 4K? So I would mm -hmm. say, you know, just do that with whatever you're doing and compare it to the closest resolution. Most, I mean, yeah, I would say most VR devices target a resolution between 1440p and 4K. So whatever you see in 1440p, cut it down by 20% for most of them. But I mean, again, it's like, there's so many out there, as Dan, as you just said, Dan, that's really how you think about it. Yeah. Um, Tiktaklar writes in, do you see future graphics cards using DDDR5 or LP DDDR5 in place of GDDR6 or Apple's SOCs an anomaly? Yes, I do. I, I don't think they're going to use GDDR5. I, I well, think so. they can't for they can't use GDDR5 forever. That's going out of production, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, I, I mean, you saw that with uh, DDR3 for a while, didn't you? I, I would assume maybe some low end cards will have DDR5 on it. Although DDR5 is relatively expensive, so. I don't, I don't know how that computation compares, but well, but I'm told it's really only twenty percent more than DDR4 for most of these OEMs at most. Yeah, Sometimes okay. ten percent, <laughs> as low as ten percent. Uh, some of them said to me. So I, I would just say that long term, yeah, I think definitely. Yeah. Um, Patrick P. Gelsinger, Intel CEO, writes in, "How nice. Do you think the delay of the Steam Deck is not actually a hardware related, and in fact related to software?" It could be that Proton is not where they need it to be for it to work well and that this is causing the delays. I, I think it's shipping. Oh, that makes sense. <sighs> I mean, wasn't it going to come out as a limited launch in December anyways? Yeah. So yeah, the all the jam ups and yeah, I, I literally think that it was it was almost entirely shipping, but there's always a little bit of software. They're probably like, hmm, we could probably use another month of polishing with half of our team getting COVID every now and then. Yeah, and... You know, I, I guess I don't know what their standard is for Proton, like when it comes out, because as it stands, it's, it is decent already, I would say pretty good already. And I think people buying this, like have to j just know th that there's the caveat that some games won't work very well because it's Proton. Mm -hmm. QH Freddy writes in, in the loose ends, you mentioned AMD considering a mobile product on Samsung. Could this be related to the RDNA and the latest Samsung Exynos phone SOCs? Are they maybe eyeing the possibility of making more phone SOCs with AMD IP for the broader phone market? Um, well, I would just say yes. Of course, that's something they're considering. They are always considering making more money with more products. Um, in terms of what I was talking about, I believe in a recent Broken Silicon with you, or I don't remember if it was, I think it was you. Um, yeah, I just think... Um, there's been those rumors of them talking to Samsung about three nanometer, if I remember correctly. And I was like, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if that was for like some APU, you know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't really mean it for phones. I just, although obviously that might help, you know, getting Samsung to use it on there on one of their nodes gives them some cross design experience and that's a good starting point. So there's some of that there, but no, I, I meant literally like, I think I keep seeing people like, oh, they're talking to Samsung. Ooh, oh, that must mean RDNA 4 is on Samsung. Oh, they're doing this. That must mean that. I think they want to use every manufacturer because there's just a lot of market share they can still take. 
Yeah. <laughs> Phone SOCs, laptop APUs. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, they've companies source from have sourced from different foundries forever. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Uni writes in, hi, Tom and Dan. This question is actually for you both in both of your, okay, in both of your opinions. Do we feel that Apple with their M1 chips will soon make a move to the business enterprise side of tech, such as servers to the likes of AMD's Epic? So if you phrase it like Epic, I say no. But if you say servers, I give it a soft yes. I think they're going to build server CPUs and APUs for their servers. That's yeah, what I, they're going to do. Yeah, I think that's a definite yes. Like at some point, some servers at Apple will be <laughs> will be Apple uh, using Apple CPUs. Uh, whether they're going to start selling them to other companies, I think remains to be seen. <laughs> I don't think for a few years, but... Yeah, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Were they now a $3 trillion freaking company? They will be if they do that. <laughs> Speaking of centralized amounts of incredible amounts of money, Uum writes in with a question. He says, what do you think about NFTs creeping their way into games? Ubisoft, of course, has tried it, and Stalker 2 was announced with an NFT integration, though have since removed all mention of it from their Twitter, I guess. That's funny. Yeah, they, I they... know that. They pulled all of it, I think, like right, like a day after they said, we're putting NFTs in the game. Really? I didn't, I mean, I don't blame them. I bet they got a bunch of hate for it. What do I think about NFTs creeping their ways into games? Uh, I think it's unnecessary and stupid. I mean, watch, um, what's it, that stupid uh, eight minute pilot for a cartoon they put out. It, it, it's absurd. There's an eight minute cartoon and because each character in the cartoon is technically owned by a person the credits are like three minutes long because there's so <laughs> many st- <laughs> it's I, it's absurd i guess is my point and i think putting nfts in games is also absurd <laughs> it's just unnecessary and you know long time listeners and viewers of moore's laws den will know that i'm not some crypto hater i certainly don't hate bitcoin and i think there's potential with some things being worked on but uh, uh nfts kind of just seem like a this scam to me guys i guys not everything needs to be on the blockchain like, like the entire point of bitcoin is that they found a way so you can't duplicate money like copy and pasting and that's literally just a z like like the simplest form of storing data, like everything else, like NFTs, you can copy and paste a picture. Oh, but I have my name on the blockchain. Yeah, but you still don't even own the copyright. You don't yeah. own anything, dude. You just paid money to have your name on a blockchain saying you paid money to have a picture that everyone's copying and pasting. You can't copy and paste Bitcoin money. It is uncopyable. That's why Bitcoin has value. You can't copy NFTs. <laughs> yeah. And the whole thing with like the stalker NFTs, it's, was essentially just a gimmick to like get your like likeness put into the game as an NPC. And if they were oh, trying okay. to, if they were trying to do something like that, they could have done that without an NFT. <laughs> exactly. It's like <laughs> we have servers for storing this stuff, and like putting it on an Ethereum blockchain is doesn't help anything. You know, be like, oh, pay a thousand dollars to be a producer in the game and have an npc of you they could have just done that if they wanted to and it would have been the exact same thing as the nft and i think it would have caused less outrage because at least they're being upfront with what they're doing <laughs> right and oh and so they were, were they taking a cut of the profits for you putting it in the game uh i 
don't I have no clue how the NFT how the they the integration like, worked. I think they minted like 14 NFTs. Oh, so they were maybe selling them themselves. Oh, I didn't know. Now I see why people got pissed at them. I thought it was like, because the thing I've heard is like, maybe you could like tie like a token on a blockchain to a skin that's randomly generated in the game and then no one else can find the exact same skin. That is That might have been why. I think they said they were selling 100 NFTs. Okay, but they're selling them so. It's not like it's a yeah. randomly generated thing they're not profiting off of. I see why there is outrage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nah, that's about all I care to say about it. I think they're dumb. I'm just going to say it. I, I, I don't, uh, I'm just not afraid to say that, you know? It's mm. like, let's be yeah. honest, a lot of the art world is already just money laundering. And now this is just like that times 10. Now, but... <laughs> <laughs> now, now it's money laundering, except for now it's $500 million for a picture of a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> I guess that's just going to about do it for this episode. It's we, We've gotten, we've nailed this, Dan. We keep just pretty much hitting around the same length of episode every time. But, um, you know, we got another big guest coming up. Decent chance I'll do another video this week uh, after this comes out. Um, and I guess, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm exhausted. I'm falling asleep. The final thing I'll just say is, as always, you know, you know, so check that you're subscribed to the Moore's Laws Dead YouTube channel, ring the bell button, subscribe to Moore's Laws Dead on a podcast app of your choosing, set it to download, subscribe to a hundred podcast apps and set it to download. This helps our numbers and, you know, gets Apple to start recommending us to other people or, or other podcast apps too, like Stitcher and Google podcasts to start recommending Spotify to start recommending us to other people that might not watch the YouTube channels, you know, and you know, if you want to get this early and ad free and submit reader mails to me and the upcoming guests and get exclusive podcasts like Die Shrink, eh, consider supporting us on Patreon. Throw some cheddar our way. Go to get go to the Patreon. Go just, just go, go just to go the to fucking it. Patreon. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcasts, videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan. Audio editing by Gerard Cortez and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.moreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast, Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover State's podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, 
Please do share Moore's Law is Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Brad Medlin, Anthony Gareffa, GUK, Benny Berlin, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, I love you, Lynn and Jim, Ivan K, Tom Bailey, Muhammad Al-Khwari, Frederick Lau, Lynn Lee, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Harrod, Jada Full, Phil S, D31337 Antics, Jackson A. Miller, Jesse Jeskowiak, Josh Law, JBG, Travis Gooding, The Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo Kinkilo, Fatboy Disaru, Daniel Hyde, A Guy in PA81, Nathan Mose, Cole Addict, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, F7GOS, Matthew Landavasso, My Name is Nobody, Judson N, Elethros, Jensen Wang. Hey, there's a kitty. Greg T. Wanchek, Rentaro Matsukata, John Jameson, Sam Benzel, Matthew Lane, Mark Raidmaker, Jan Rounder, Chris Licata, Michael McGee, Meyer Techrans, Eric Jackson, Jonathan, Patrick Groth, 3DS Boy 08, Dominique Koch, Stefan, Original Ross, Sandini, Garrido, Sanderson, Joachim Hagen, Teak Autumn, Sol Connor, Michael Casa, Andrew S. C. Chitz, Aaron Keith, Gregory S. Acker, Endless Loggins, Tom Sanfilippo, Justice Brennan, Zoot Suit Taylor, Trevor Powers, Stu Olenya, Nanan, Daniel Nishval, Franco Frederick, Dan Galanowski, Ian Clifford, Axel Cisneros, Layton Perry, Joseph Kierman, Brett Summers, Blake, Denovan Russell, Noah Nicoella, Zlicky, Martin Porcheggy, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Hulan, Patrick J.S., Justin Staples, Freddie Canos Jr., Stephen Coates, Kiwi Phil, Barucha, Jeremy So, Mitchell Pell, Brett Summers, Eddie Del Castile, Josie Floria, Luis Correa, Deke, Cheesy Ramen, Tyler Lindley, Tim Robbins, Jake Dude 23, Brian Riggleman, Justin Gower, Caillou Markelli, Dave McCoy, Valco Malev, Game Langner, Ronnie, DNA Tech, Michael Deaton, MJV1, Maurice Courtois, Wesley Sager, Sarcastro. My Sharona, Y Tree, Roman, William W. Draper, Air Rats, Spamton G. Spamton, Henry Zhang, Stephen Hart, Christopher A. Butler, Greg, Peter Moore, Amiable Chief, Justin Thomas, Sam Miller, Sammy Malas, James Anderson, Shakir, Nick Rakin, Holden Mobley, Matthew Lazier, R. Pete Sharma, Meat and Pork, Jimmy NG, Matt, Matthew Lazier, Benjamin Oshley, Bark Mitchell, Shield TV Couteau, Aaron, John Wissink, Mohammed, Jean DeBont, Post Media, Sean Aston, Ashmont, Daniel Dewar, Stephen Zhang, JSMMH, Georgie Kostadinov, PC Beast 23, Reginald Ari, Narathiel, Ivan, Charles Russell, Hal Buma, Akarsh Adyithya, The Grid, Andrew S., Chris Rich, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music.